0: In this episode of the Brawn Body Health and Fitness Podcast, I'm joined by Katie Salerni, also known as Katie Lifts and Katie Paints, to discuss all things relating to the bench press, in addition to a lot about her own health and fitness journey. Katie is an incredible individual and someone who is significantly stronger than me, both physically, mentally, emotionally, you name it. She is a very impressive person. And I'm super excited to welcome her onto the podcast today. Before we get to the episode, quick word from one of our sponsors. Katie, welcome to the show. Excited to have you on.
1: Hi, I'm glad to be here.
0: So before we even jump into this, can I just say that you are jacked? Like, holy crap. Like, I like to think that I'm like strong and something like that, but you're basically benching the same amount I am. I think you squat more than I do. Like, you're very impressive. Thank you. So how did you get into powerlifting?
1: Um, I actually was a rugby player. I played on the guys team in high school and I intended on playing in college, but then the team at the Naval Academy just like wasn't up to par uh, by my standards. They just skipped a lot of coaches practice and like didn't have the same cohesiveness and teamwork that I found to love in high school so I was kind of looking for something different. Also, um, I did have a concussion that summer, so I wanted to do something a little less violent to protect my brain. <laughs> um, and I found the bodybuilding team and cause I had never heard of powerlifting and I was like, okay, cool. Like this group just lifts together. How fun. Like, that's awesome. I always loved team lifts in high school. So I went to a bodybuilding show and I was just like, Oh my goodness. Um, at the time, I just didn't love how, like, individual and in like kind of vain everyone was there. I have later grown to appreciate like the skill and intent and um all that goes into bodybuilding. And now that I know more bodybuilders and know what it's kind of about, I have a very strong appreciation for it. But at the time I was like, oh my God, I can't. These look like thistrels from Harry Potter, which is like those horses, you know what I mean? Anyways. So, I went back to school, and luckily, my buddy from high school, Cole Metzold, his roommate was on the piloting team, called him Big Ray, and he got me a tryout on the team, and and I was, like, decently strong, I guess, um, just because I lifted with the guys in high school for two years, which gave me a good base, and made the team, and then kind of just went from there. It was, like, incredible, and I just absolutely fell in love with it. It was, like, a wonderful escape, and then at the Naval Academy, you have zero – Liberty so you are on the yard you have 12 hours of off the yard time when you're a freshman and so I had like a bunch of time to train and so I just poured all my life into there really.
0: Right so other than you said Big Ray was it was he the only one that influenced you or did you have any other like influences along your kind of powerlifting journey?
1: We had an incredible powerlifting team at the Naval Academy and I'm so grateful because Not only did they like save me from some of the misery of being a plebe, which is what they call the freshmen, um, but they just really supported and like taught me a lot. I was really grateful to have them. It was like Kurt Allen, Anthony White. They just taught me so much like along the way and really inspired a passion for me to do my own research. And I actually did end up doing a lot of my own research and learning how to coach myself, coach others. And by junior senior year, like I was coaching small groups. Carter Byrne, too. He played a big role. And then later, Elijah Ellerman and Paul Deese, like they're always my main guys. Um, they actually like carried me through collegiate nationals in 2019 because I had the flu so bad. And they like iced my neck the whole time, called my numbers for me. Paul carried me on stage because, you know, when you wrap, wrap your knees and stuff like that, you can't really walk. And all I had to do was go out there and lift. And they made it possible for me to win and like made the team environment such a good time. So.
0: That's incredible. Quite the support crew. Um, Wow. So you've had coaches through the Naval Academy and through separate powerlifting groups. Do you still have a coach now or are you just primarily coaching other people with powerlifting?
1: Well, actually none of those people were coaches. Like we kind of all coached ourselves. Okay. Um, Not really the best strategy, but our coach was just super absent from our team. So he was never there. Like And right now I'm coached by Sean Royega, who is incredible, like always tells it to me straight and is probably one of the smartest people I've ever met in my life. And then Kelly Schlar, he uh, owns STS Performance here in San Diego. I just recently joined that gym and it's incredible, like best equipment I've ever had. But overall, like, I don't know, Kelly made me join that gym because just his presence and knowledge just really inspired me to go and just want to learn from him and be around.
0: Yeah. What's the environment at that gym like? Uh, Are people like you know, scared when they see you walk in or are people asking you for autographs or what's that? Like?
1: Um, no, definitely not. So luckily um, I work with like a bunch of other elite, I would say lifters, like Chris Dunsmore, she goes there too. Um, just a bunch of like really high level lifters and then newbies too, who just want to learn more. And thankfully, like I have not, I've only been asked for an autograph like two times, which is really cool. Cause it was like, I was out in Philly at a bar. And the other time some girl mailed me and asked if I would sign something for his sister, which was so cool and very flattering. But like, I, I don't know, I wouldn't want that environment in the gym that I went to because that's just kind of like my time. I'm usually really quiet, um, like when I'm lifting and then uh, after my lifts, so I'm like super social. But I just like to go in and just like be with the weights, you know, and my, it's like my me time kind of.
0: Yeah, you get in, you take care of business, put yourself in the zone and then yeah. you walk out and, you know, you're a totally different person.
1: Oh, it feels so good.
0: Yeah. So do you work out in the mornings then? Is that how you start your day? or Are you more like um, midday?
1: I would. I usually start my day at like 4.15 and I have to go to work And just because the Navy, we start our day pretty early. And yep. so, yeah, I get to look forward to my workout all day. And um, on the weekends, I do knock it out first thing just because if I want to relax, like if I go home, then I'm just going to sleep and chill all day. Um, so I just go straight from work and then knock it out.
0: So are you the kind of person that listens to like the death punch screamo stuff? Or are you more like a hip hop rap kind of first person? few years
1: of lifting? I think I had every like death metal song memorized forever. But you know, if you lift and I, and through college, I trained really hard, like three to six hours a day
0: just because
1: I wanted to be the best. Like my goal, I started piloting my freshman year and I really wanted to go to worlds. That was my whole goal. I was like, this other girl to worlds like i want to be the best in america maybe not the best in the world because i know those russians and germans like to get that <laughs> juice a little bit so i was just like i just want to be the best in america so i'm gonna do everything i can to get there so trained super hard um there but then since then i've just kind of dialed it back a little bit and and because of that because you're training three six hours a day you listen to a lot of music and if that was the same music so i really listen to whatever's new i just love anything new And because now I used to really get emotional when I lifted. And I had a lot of uh like childhood stuff that I was working out and um some later in life stuff that I was working out emotionally, like with the weights, but I'm kind of past that now and I just love to train and I think it makes me a better person, like more patient person, very disciplined. Love how training is like the the physical representation of the growth mindset. And so even when I don't want to go or if I'm not like super ragey or like in it, I still go just because it's, it's what I do. It's like, makes me a better person. So kind of listen to lighter stuff now.
0: Yeah. I completely agree with you though. Like I try to, when we coach people, I try to make sure no one ever misses a workout because like that workout, even if you're having a bad day, it could be the best part of your day. Uh, And I think people really shy away from exercise sometimes because it can be intimidating it's one of the few things in life that you know you are both the marble and the sculptor at the same time you are shaping your body but you're not going to do that without a little bit of pain in the process but if you can fall in love with that pain and fall in love with that process of remaking yourself that's that's powerful stuff right there yeah you mentioned the death metal, and then now you're kind of mellowing out. Um, I kind of fall into that same category myself. Um, when I started lifting Bring Me the Horizon was like one of my top bands, Five so finger death punch. I was like, yeah, this, this is great. And now, like, um, just yesterday, I worked out the country music. And I'm just like, you know, wh- how, how did this happen? Like, how did I go from like, Bring Me the Horizon to like, Luke Combs for a workout? But it's amazing how we kind of transition over time.
1: I don't know about you, but for me, I can definitely channel um, for that that time of doing the lift. Really like dial in, lock in, kind of lean into the pain, and get very mentally focused without all the heavy stuff that I did use to kind of maintain that intensity the whole time. Now I just kind of use it intermittently throughout my workout. I don't know. I think that's like a maturity thing too, as you yeah. continue your training.
0: Yeah, for sure. And uh, it kind of depends on the day too. Like for me, uh, we're recording this episode in December, right before I take four final exams in a row. So this week will look like a you know heavy dose of pop evil theory of a dead man, like the more heavy stuff. Uh, and maybe after this, we'll chill it back out, uh, maybe go with like, I don't know, some throwbacks or something like that. But y- you kind of end up channeling the music to your mood i think
1: i totally agree
0: and music is a great way to help block out some of the internet warriors that might creep into your dm sometimes i'm sure you don't know oh, anything about that though right i
1: love them i love them <laughs> i think it's so funny like i don't think there was ever a time where i really gave a shit about anything that people said online because to be honest like i have a great circle of friends and i hold their opinions very high but anyone besides that, if I don't know you, if I don't respect you, I don't give a shit what you have to say. There's 8 billion people in the world. I don't mm-hmm. have time to please everyone. And I don't try to. Um, I'm actually making a little book for my coffee table of like the funniest screenshots that I've taken in my DMs. Just so <laughs> when people like come over, they can kind of flip through it. I think it's literally hilarious. And some of them are very creative. I don't know. I, I love it. It's great.
0: It's amazing to me how many people have... Like nothing better to do in their day than to sit there on their phones and make comments about someone else's achievements. It's uh, just they're kind of like the hermit crabs of life. You know, they're just sitting there <laughs> hiding out and talking the talk behind a screen. But when you meet them in life, they're um, they're just kind of hiding out and you know, shelling around. Um, I'm trying to keep that crab pun going here. Um, <laughs> And like nine times out of 10, they're like a fake account or they have like five followers or something yeah. like that. It's just amazing to me.
1: Yeah. I'm just too busy. Like, I don't know. I barely have time to comment on people that I love. I'm like, oh my God, I love your stuff or you're so strong or whatever. I can imagine just taking time in a day to spread negativity, but hey, some people just need a hobby and they haven't found it yet. So good luck yeah, in that.
0: for sure. And I also noticed you have like this really cool custom lifting belt. So where might someone get a custom lifting belt like that? Because My that's My mom awesome. made
1: that for me, actually. Really? Yeah, she got it for me. It says Noble on the inside, just for, like, no bullshit. I, I used to be very, like, into that brand just because I really think Brookens is so admirable and just incredible body, incredible athlete. And I love, um, you know, strong women. And she was, like, one of the first really strong women that I ever saw. And um, mm-hmm. I love that. My mom, yeah, she... So is my favorite colors. I think she got from pioneer belts, but I do know that they make incredible custom belts. Uh, I've seen a few of theirs, but okay. I, I don't know if they're uh, USAPL approved belts. So just got to be careful of that.
0: I'll have to look into those because I saw that thing and I'm like, that's cool.
1: I like that yeah. a lot. I had to wear uh, a slingshot belt, which I love the brand slingshot. Um, but I wore that, I think senior year for like our competitions but I, I do love training in that belt. and um, I recently did a USBA meet just because like it was my first meet in two years and I just kind of wanted to do something close and local get back into it I was like really nervous to kind of just do a meet again and I wore my belt and it was fine for USBA so
0: that's awesome and I mean how like alpha is it to be able to say like you have your own belt like it has your name on it and everything like it's really cool
1: I don't know about Alpha, but it does. My mom has always supported me in like everything that I've done lifting-wise. Um, her and my stepdad, actually, I got a pair of Noble shoes. It's like two years into lifting. And they're like, yeah, one's for me and one's for your mom because they're pretty expensive for my birthday. <laughs> so, yeah, she's always been lovely. And it does make me feel close to her. So
0: Yeah, for sure. Now, in addition to custom belts and all these other training things, I know you're really into your health there and you wear like a continuous glucose monitor. How does yeah, yeah. How does that change or how do you monitor that with your training?
1: Um well this is a recent thing actually. My stepdad has Alzheimer's so he is monitoring his glucose to try to keep them at a pretty steady level. Um it's really good for your brain health, um good for your body and to keep it keeps your insulin resistance low. You don't want to have a high insulin resistance because that can lead to diabetes. So definitely has impacted my training in a few ways. When I just eat like how I want to eat, if I ate based on my hunger, which I did after my meet um, during kind of the week of Thanksgiving, I was giving myself a break a little bit from training and like from forcing myself to eat so much all the time. And my glucose levels were so low, like in the 60s, one night in the, in the 30s, um, in the 50s. And I just felt so tired all the time and, and sometimes just really... Week, um, not not great, but I did need that kind of mental break from like eating six times a day uh, to mm-hmm. try to fuel my body, you know, because that's like can be annoying and exhausting. And cooking all the food is the worst thing ever. I'm a terrible cook. I'm, thankfully, <laughs> I like you just got a meal prep Sunday. I try to eat to evolve, but I like meal prep Sunday better than they're in San Diego. So I love their food. So I'm it's been better. But anyways, you want to keep your glucose levels from like 80 to 140, and I, if I eat like six times a day, then I can keep it within that range. And I try to spike it a little bit before I work out with some pre workout carbs. And then I maintain that elevation with um, carbolin, which is just like glucose that you can take in a powder. And then also immediately after, just so I can funnel the protein and carbs into my muscle cells, you know?
0: Yeah, that's awesome. I like your constant investment to your health. And you're looking at it from all aspects, not just like the physical training piece. And I think that's something so many people kind of miss in their training, they think, you know, it's all about how I look or how I perform. And they forget the longevity piece to things, right? You know, you don't want to just be lifting for 510 years, and then you know, your shoulders ache, and you've got this going on and that going on. Uh, I know this is Typically an issue we see uh, more with runners, they end up insulin resistance and uh, they develop metabolic syndrome just from taking in so many carbs all the time, but it can happen to lifters and anyone really. So I really applaud you on your efforts to, you know, dial that in and stay in tune with what's going on in your body from a physiological perspective. That's awesome.
1: Yeah. I just think it's so interesting. Like I'm a huge nerd. Tim Ferriss has my whole heart. Oh my gosh. (laughs) And like Rhonda Patrick, she's incredible. I think longevity is super interesting. And in terms of maximizing, maximizing quality of life, like there will be times where I drink or like I eat like shit and, but I just feel so much better when I don't. And I feel so much better when I eat to fuel my body and for longevity. So that's why.
0: Right. And now you have the ability to gather actual data on your own body. So if you try some of these different things, you mentioned Rhonda Patrick, so I'm sure you've tried uh, cold exposure at some point, whether that be cold bath or cryotherapy or whatever. So now you yeah. can actually like see what that does to your own insulin levels or your blood glucose levels. Uh, you know, there's research about that, but that doesn't mean that what they see in the research article is what's happening in your body. So it's cool that you now have the Ability to kind of become your own case study, so to speak.
1: Right, and my recent thing, which is so cool, is for my birthday. This is so nerdy, but I wanted a hydrogen water maker. Basically, it infuses um, molecular hydrogen into the water, so it's not like H2O2, but H2O and then hydrogen infused. And the hydrogen can enter through like the blood-brain barrier and basically reduce oxidative stress, which is good for your mental state and good for your overall health. And then what the next thing that I'm saving up for my dad paid for half of it for my birthday present but it's an ozone machine so mm-hmm. that's like in the works um but I'm, i don't know i'm super jazzed about it and i've been drinking so much water just like how it get in my body <laughs> um it, it's more of like a long-term thing uh it's not something that you really feel but i'm like maybe in a year i'll feel it i just got it like last week because my birthday's monday so
0: well uh happy belated bird early birthday i guess because it's tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow um well, well, we'll release this well after your birthday, unfortunately. Okay. But, um, so do you play around with any other biohacks like um, red light or blue light glasses or is yes. it mostly just the, yeah. That's yeah, right I have blue
1: light now. glasses. I used to wear glasses and when I got um, PRK, it was really weird because at night I would always put glasses on. It was kind of a good cue for me to like kind of wind down and get ready for bed. So I invested in and I got my lenses switched out with just some blue light glasses mm-hmm. Um, I do like that. And then in the evenings, I have uh, just a red light in my room. I try to minimize the amount of blue light that enters into my eyeballs. So,
0: yep. Yeah, I wear, um, I use Swanwick. Uh, it's the dark orange tint. And uh, if you're out in public at all wearing those things, you you get some interesting looks. <laughs> um, And lately I've been doing the red light panel before bed. Uh, That was something we talked about with uh, Devin Burke a few weeks ago on the podcast. Um, He was a huge fan of the red light. And uh, when I'm not here in uh, town, uh, when I'm back home at my parents where we've got, you know, land and places to go and no neighbors around to judge you for anything. um, I like to go outside and do what's called earthing. So you go barefoot on the ground and it's supposed to help, you know, emit, um, connect your electrical system in your body to the ground and allow electrons and different things to escape your body. Um, I can't really speak in all those high tech scientific chemistry terms anymore because it's been about five years since I took chemistry. Um, but there's some cool stuff out there about those things. So I think it's really awesome that you're into the biohacking and it's more of a longevity game for you it's not just the you know immediate performance right now yeah so we've talked about custom belts we've talked about all these things that you're into you're also really into I know um painting and you do custom painting for people and you you know this is kind of like your passion so what brought you into painting when did you start doing that
1: Um, I thought I was going to get in trouble at the Naval Academy. I thought I was going to get put on restriction. So I was like, okay, I need another indoor hobby because when you're on restriction, you can't leave the yard. Mm -hmm. And I was like, all right, well, I love wine and canvas, but I hate, I don't drink really, not usually. And I also don't like when they tell me what to do, because I would always just go and paint whatever. So I was like, well, why can't I just paint? You know, I went to Michael's, I picked some stuff up and then just started painting in my room. And eventually my college room was covered in paintings. I would put like trash bags on the ground to protect the floor. And now as an adult, my apartment is covered in paintings. Um, and people started buying them, which was awesome because it kind of offset the price, the expenses of painting so much, which I can paint all day, every day. I love it. Um, but it's just like a really good off day hobby for me because uh, back in college, like, I love lifting so much and I needed it. And I wanted to destroy my body every day. And that's not really optimal for training, but for like my mental health, I just craved it. And so to find something else that I could pour myself into emotionally and like, I don't want to say spiritually, but just really connect with something else so deeply that kind of got me into a flow state. I I find like lifting to be very meditative and painting to be very meditative. I'm chugging coffee right now because last night I stayed up till like one in the morning because I was in the middle of all these paintings and I just lost track of time. And I wasn't tired, you know, I just, I was like, oh my gosh. And then I was like, oh my gosh, I have to wake up at six. So, um, yeah, I I don't know. That's how I got into it. And I just recently made a website for it, katiepaints.com. So I'm like super excited about that. Just so that people can see my work and kind of see my why. Um, I'm just going to go on and on, but about a year ago, about a year ago, I like wanted to do something more meaningful with painting. I was like, what is my why behind painting? Because I do it for myself personally, and I definitely think that it's a form of therapy. Um, and I do go to talk therapy and stuff like that. I love that I think it's very helpful. It's like optimize your emotional health, uh, but I kind of wanted to help other people get there. And so I was looking into organizations and trying to find what I connected with, what I care about. And I found Rain, which is this incredible organization that supports sexual assault survivors, specifically children. This is a very important cause to me and my family. Uh, just hold it very near and dear. And to be able to provide like those survivors with therapy and the resources that they will need to recover. Because I mean, I can't prevent bad people from doing bad things, but I would love to be able to, hey, like this happened to you, but it is not who you are. And you can become so strong out of that and like turn it into something beautiful. Because I'll be on, like, I would not be this strong if I didn't have so much hurt and anger to pour into my lifts for all those years. And like, I don't lift like that anymore. Cause I'm not hurting anymore, but you know what I'm saying? Like it, it just, you want to direct the negative emotions into a good outlet so that your life can become better because of it. And you become more empathetic for others vice, like just kind of spiraling.
0: Right. You are not what's happened to you, but what you choose to become and what you chose to become is a person who takes her hobbies and passions and uses them for the greater good of those around you by donating to organizations like Rain, and for sharing your creative works with so many different people through your website, your uh, social media, and who even knows how many more people will see them now that you're selling your paintings online. You know, if someone purchases one of your paintings, you know, many people could see that that you never even you know know of um I like that one behind you on the left is that what'd you call that eye of the swordfish I think it was
1: yes okay so I'll show you um after a lift one day I just like could not stop thinking of this idea on the way home from the gym and this is the quickest I've ever turned out a a painting but it's the biggest one I have done to date and I don't know I love this one I made it for our house specifically so
0: that's incredible our
1: carpet that's never on the ground because it's always covered in tarp
0: And with the painting too, it's just such a therapeutic way to express yourself and get emotion out. A while ago, this is probably almost a year ago, we actually had uh, Dr. Grant Taylor on the show, and he actually talked about the art therapy program that he helped institute at a college in Pennsylvania, and they were using that with uh, veterans to help cope with uh, PTSD, and it's amazing just how powerful giving someone the tools to express themselves can be and we're talking art in general here. Um, I am certainly not called to painting. Um, I am nowhere near as good as you are. I wouldn't even know where to start.
1: You don't Uh, have time, you're getting a doctorate, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, people will tell me like, oh, you know, did you see this show on Netflix? Or, hey, you know, here's what I did this past weekend. <laughs> and I'm just like, um, that's cool. Uh, I read another chapter in this textbook. I haven't and... watched
1: TV in years. Yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about?
0: Yeah, seriously. The only time I watch TV is um, when we every now and then throw on an episode of Grey's Anatomy and point out all the inaccuracies uh, in the show.
1: Wait, what? What inaccuracies?
0: There's a few medical
1: inaccuracies, just a oh, few. Because I literally am like, I'm basically a doctor. I'm binge watching the whole seasons all over again. And the, it, the plane crash just happened. And I cried so hard in my bathtub two days ago, like like violent. It was yeah. really bad.
0: That show is a roller coaster. Um, that's the kind of show that you just kind of watch. And think, then you end up either going to the gym afterwards or something like that, because it it takes you on a ride. Um, (laughs) there are some things that they do get correct though so I give them you know credit for that but there's some things that you know they mention and I'm just like um no um no um yeah I'm trying to think of a good example right now the one that comes to mind is um when they say to push epi and they just keep pumping them full of epi more and more and more and more (laughs) there's a Actual limit to how much Epi you can put in a human body?
1: The limit does not exist. Okay. Not uh, in oh.
0: I will be linking to uh Katie's painting website below. So if you want to check that out, and I highly recommend you do, uh, you can just click there. Uh instead of, you know, you, you can re-listen to the episode too if you want. Um, but this will simplify ah! it so you don't have to re-listen to the episode. Was that your dog?
1: Yes. <laughs> Come here. I'm also dropping NFTs tomorrow on my birthday. So that'll be my first release on December 13th.
0: Is there anything you're not doing? Sleeping. Yeah. Yeah. You got four hours last night.
1: (laughs) I don't know. Life just feels really exciting right now. And like, I just feel so passionate. It's, I I appreciate sleep and all that it does, especially medically. But I'm like, "Mm -mm, I could be doing all these other things.
0: Right. Right. And amongst those other things is bench pressing, which seems to be like your thing, your favorite thing. So when it comes to bench pressing, I mean, I feel like so many people do it wrong. Like they don't know how to bench press. So like from the setup, to what grip should they use to should they arch or not arch and how much arch should they use and you know people ask me like how do I build leg drive through the bench or you know what do you mean by pulling the bar down instead of pushing it and all these different things it's such a popular lift but so few people actually do it correctly and who better to break down the bench press than someone like you who's literally an animal with it. So where do you start when you're coaching people with the bench press or where do you start when you're bench pressing yourself?
1: I will say that correct version of bench press does depend on what your goals are. So the way that I bench is definitely not optimal for building pec muscles, though I do have pec muscles. It's I would say it's not optimal for bodybuilding. So just putting that out there, Um, the arch does help protect my front delts and my upper pec. Uh, when I do bench, because I tend to use a lot more back, the muscles of your back are obviously bigger than your chest, upper chest and front delts. So the way that I start, I'm just going to come back here, is get get under the bench. I'm going to make a bench video soon and I'll put it out, but I, I put my middle fingers on the rings just because that's where it causes my elbows to be directly, uh, my wrist to be directly over my elbows when it's touching my chest. Mm -hmm. so that's what you want from a physics perspective i'm like a huge physics nerd and if you can optimize the mechanics of the way that you're benching then you'll be really good at it because you're kind of using physics with you on your side versus fighting against it and that's like a huge reason of why i'm decent at bench um so you start there and that's where i find it to be optimal you want to set your your back right here onto the bench and then kind of like inchworm you like inchworm your way um up a little bit the normal force from the bench pushing you down from the weight will keep your back pinned so when you use leg drive to build all that tension in your back you'll stay in the in the right spot and that's what will create the arch but essentially for leg drive i find that it's the best for me to kind of build a continuous force or tension or sh- like try to imagine my toes going through the front of my shoes this way like I'm sliding back in the chair this way versus pushing down through the ground because that'll keep your feet on the bench that'll keep your butt on the bench I said feet on the bench on the ground um, which is important for lifting and yeah and then you just kind of build the tension the whole time versus like a lot of people like to wait until they're right here and then they kind of shove which is just not gonna be your strongest position because if you're tight the whole time you're squeezing, um, there's continuous tension there, then your back will be in a strongest position throughout your whole bench press. So I, I set up back on the bench, uh, set my feet right, brace it, like inhale and kind of make like a pregnant, like turtle stomach flexing <laughs> your abs, like little cute and stuff. Like, <sighs> like a big, I call it like a dad meatloaf stomach, you know, those dads that like have a beer belly after all this time, so it'll be like really hard, like a turtle shell, and you kind of, and yeah. then um, apply tension, I imagine like I'm bending a pretzel in half, mm-hmm. and what that does is if you look at my lats real quick, boom, bam, boom, engage, That it's like little bat wings, and they engage, so have the bar here, engage the bat wings, and then bring it down right here, um, which is like the tallest point when I am benching and then just right back up and then back. And then just one more thing. And one great thing that Shonda Riga makes me do that. I really hated at first, but I pause every bench I ever do Mm -hmm. and like one or two seconds on the chest, every single rep, even if I'm doing sets of 10. And this is incredible for building my bench and for building my tolerance for pauses. In my last meet, I did the SE Fit Expo. My freaking first attempt. They made me pause for a total of like three seconds. Like on camera, you can see three seconds, and I'm down here and I'm paused, and I'm like, "Yo, what the fuck?" Like, <laughs> and I judge, and he's like, "I can see a little bit of light under the under the thing. Lower it a little more." I was like, "Okay." So then I'm low. We're talking while I have 265 on my chest, and and then they're like, "All right, up," and I was like. Okay, cool. And and it was a good lift, but I was like, oh my gosh, apparently there's like this much. Jeez. Yeah, that's on me, that's on me. But I was like, if I hadn't trained to pause so long on my chest, like I probably would have died during that range
0: Wow. I so know. that really just goes to show that size matters, I guess, huh?
1: <laughs> yes, especially in this case.
0: Uh, you had me uh what was it pregnant turtle and bat wings like those are references i've never heard before but i i, think I like them
1: I, I, and, and i'm like pretty em. metaphorical but um my clients seem to like it and it does help them just understand because if if a cue doesn't work for a certain client then you have to think of something else that helps them connect the mind muscle you know what i mean because if you can't imagine how it's supposed to feel in your brain then there's no way that, it's hard to do it if you don't have a, a really good body awareness
0: exactly and i think that's the mistake so many people make is they walk into the gym they go right over to the bench press you know no warm up whatsoever and you know maybe they throw 135 or 185 on the bar and they just start pressing you know they don't take the time to pay attention to detail they don't tense up each rep looks a little bit different there's no consistency and if you really want to get good at one of these movements uh, and i say that as someone who is not as strong as KD. So just re- reminding people of that. If you really want to get good at doing these movements, you have to practice them like ev- like anything. And the movements have to be consistent, right? You know, how you press a empty bar will ideally look the same as you pressing 225 or 275 or whatever. It's the consistency of movement over and over again. And that leads to more efficient movement just by practice. So the more you do it the same, the better you'll get at doing that movement over time. And the more you intentionally go about these things like creating tension in your body and activating different muscle groups, the better off you'll be at doing that when you have a heavy load under the bar.
1: I completely, I completely agree.
0: Thanks. Your dog even agrees.
1: I know she does, um, but the reason my bench is so much better than my squat and deadlift is because when I first started squatting, I was high bar squatting, and then I switched to low bar two years into powerlifting, and deadlift, I have switched back and forth from sumo and conventional, because doing single ply, I don't know what kind of crazies out there can do single ply conventional deadlift, but I feel like the pressure, I'm going to die, so I pulled sumo and conventional, and those inconsistencies are the reason that like my squat and deadlift have lagged behind my bench, because my bench has been the same since I started lifting
0: right now when it comes to the bench you mentioned that you pause every rep do you do any other like what will what will I say advanced training techniques like do you do the band resistance or the reverse band or are you breaking out the chains or are you pretty consistent on how you bench
1: um I I've done that stuff I don't love it uh when I go to the gym like I gotta get in get out you know what I'm saying and like Doing all the chains and the bands, they I think that they do overload training like has been proven to work mm-hmm. better than just not doing it. But the setup for me, um, I don't know. Like I just don't have the time in my life where I want to do that. Mm-hmm. Back when I power lifted at the Naval Academy, we were all a team doing it together, and I had nowhere else to go. You know, I was training five, six hours a day. So, like that was fine. but now, when I have a a window to train, it's like two hours max. So I'll do like alternatives I do a lot of Spoto press, I'll do a medium grip bench press, which is where uh, I put my pinkies. It's just very slight, but the difference is huge and I put my pinkies on the rings by my middle finger, and it's almost like a close grip except just not nearly as close. Um, I do a lot of dumbbell bench, so I do variations which aren't so specific uh, to build all the other muscles. Obviously, we do accessories, but but no, like chains or bands and stuff. Just because I mean, normally I'm working out alone too, and you really do need a partner if you're gonna overload train like that.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, and a partner who knows your limitations, right? You know, you have to be willing to push through some of that instead of. Um, I remember the first time I tried 315, I like paused for like half a second on the way up. And next thing I know, the bar's being deadlifted off of me. And I'm like, wait a second.
1: I'd be so mad. I'd be so <laughs> mad. Yeah, I stopped letting people lift me off. I actually lifted myself off at the last meet, like <clears throat> did 303 because just by myself, because I stopped trusting people at the gym um, to lift me off. Because just because you're a big dude doesn't mean that you can give a good handoff. And this guy almost just at my shoulder. And I was like, this cannot be the end of my bench queen career. So
0: yeah, seriously. Yeah,
1: I just got good at self handoffs.
0: Yeah, I uh, I do the same thing, um, and it started after back in high school football days. This was forever ago. Um, when I got a lift from someone, they ended up lifting the bar up, but then pushed it way far forward. So next thing I know, I'm way out here instead of up here, um, and I haven't actually benched with like someone giving me a lift off that I can remember anyways in years. Um, There might've been like one or two instances in there, but I just prefer not to, um, what's your go-to accessory for bench press? What's your one exercise that you would say, you know, really helps you build your bench outside of bench pressing more?
1: Yeah. Um, I do like to switch it up, honestly. And I, I don't, I think a lot of back, like back accessories in general, like rows, Mm -hmm. play the biggest role in improving my bench press which seems kind of silly but but like that and benching uh I bench at a pretty low rpe multiple times a week I could bench five times a week doing different variations different um like heavy sets volume sets whatever but I think just developing your back and like I love pull-ups personally but I think rows help with bench the most
0: yeah for sure I'm worthy on back it's personally, my favorite muscle to work out. And I think there's something just metaphorically about having like a wide dense back that is just so satisfying. Um, Pull-ups are actually my favorite exercise too. Um, That's just one of those exercises that it's like, you know, so many people struggle with it, but if you're good at it, it's like, wow, look, look at this guy over here. Like, you know, look at what he's doing. Um, So if you're struggling with your pull-ups, please feel free to reach out and we can help you uh, learn to pull up. Um, I, I almost made a Don Mazzetti quote there. You mentioned briefly that you had sumo deadlift and regular deadlift and then high bar squat, and now low bar squat. Um, when it comes to squats and deadlifts, what's your take on those? I know we focus mostly on the bench press, but I figured you're a power lifter. So might as well talk about the other two.
1: Yeah, I high bar as an accessory now for my low bar squats, which I love. I think low bar is most mechanically advantageous for powerlifting. But back when I was a sophomore in college, I didn't have the shoulder flexibility to hold it down here. So every day after practice, I would just practice like holding the bar 30 seconds on 30 seconds off. um, And I would cry like I was it hurt so bad to develop that. I would straight up cry. And then over time, it just kind of got better. So thankfully now I have limited, but still shoulder flexibility um, does take some warm up, But sumo versus conventional, genuinely, like I think that sumo is more advantageous for powerlifting if you can do it. It hurts my hips to the point where like, I just don't want to do it. And I mean, no one's forcing me to powerlift. Like I just love to lift, which is why I do it. So I lift conventional because I prefer it and I can give more effort to it because it's not hurting me. Like when I sumo deadlift, it feels like, Feels like when you pull a chicken wing off of a rotisserie chicken, you know that mm-hmm. sound. I just can feel that just happening to my hips. Um, <laughs> I, I do not love it. I do not love it at all. And I know that that probably won't happen. But like, what if you drop the weight on your toes? Oh my God! I just, I do not prefer it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, um, <clears throat> I'm with you there. I kind of use like a modified sumo. I call it. It's like wider, but not too wide. But my hands go right in the middle. And, um, yeah, deadlifts an interesting one. You can really learn a lot about yourself by deadlifting because it's so simple, right? Just pick the weight up. Yeah. It's so, it's it's so hard. It's so hard. So what's coming up in the future for you, Katie, do you have any upcoming competitions planned or are you launching like an app or what's the future looking like?
1: I am currently talking to Kelly right now and Sean. (laughs) about nationals and maybe doing nationals personally I like to limit my meats to like one to two a year really don't love doing meats uh because you have to take week off before me during the meet you're just like it's a day of caffeination and just oh my gosh it's hard to maintain like that level of crazy often <laughs> and then after the me it feels like you got hit by a car so like after my last week my my pec has been a bit sore and so I'm getting body work done and stuff like that but it kind of hurts to raise my arm and I don't love that either, because then it just detracts from me being able to go to the gym and just haze myself for two hours. So, but um, Kabuki, like, saw some of my bench press videos and he thought they were pretty good. And I was like, oh my gosh. So, <laughs> so, yeah, if I had the opportunity to compete at nationals or perhaps, like, try to qualify for Team USA, that would, that's kind of the direction that I'm trending. However, Navy is my priority so if i can do it with my job the way that it is um i i recently competed in this usba meet in locally in san diego which wasn't a drug testing meet which is frustrating because like i didn't want to travel out of state i mean you got to get leave approved it's like this whole thing with covid mitigations so we'll see like that's that's if i were to do anything that's kind of the direction that i'm going if not you know like i'll just wait until next year and do a qualifying meet a little bit more in advance because for me I'd have to do a qualifier and then do nationals in March and that's just like it's a little close together for my liking
0: yeah that's a lot real quick so what's your go-to meal after a meet I know some people will post like these like epic IHOP cheat meals or Waffle House cheat meals what what's your post meet meal
1: uh, well, usually during a meat, I'm carving up all day. Yep. So after this meat, I had the best steak. Oh my God. I had a fat freaking steak, like New York. Oh, so good. So I just want meat. Like, I just want protein because all day I'm like gummy bears, bread, banana, whatever. I'm just like, if I eat one more carb, I'm going to die. <laughs> Plus, honestly, I kind of eat like whatever I want anyways, unless I'm really actively cutting, I usually have three to four pints of Ben and Jerry's a week.
0: Holy cow.
1: Yeah. Because, uh, I told you about the glucose, right. And like yep. eating six times a day, that is exhausting. Like it's exhausting. And I never hungry really for it. I'm like, Oh, great. chicken and, rice again. and I'm a terrible cook too. So it's not like it tastes that good. It's not bad. It's edible sometimes, most of the time. Um, but in order to like kind of if I'm feeling like low on energy, then I'll just have Ben and Jerry's and then I just feel great the next day, which my mom it just blows her mind. She's like, What do you mean you eat so much ice cream during the week? Sugar's so bad for you. And I agree. I completely agree. But I just don't have it within my heart to eat twelve hundred calories of chicken and rice extra a day. So
0: yeah, seriously. just go for
1: like the quick cows. And I highly I've been I eat a pint of Ben and Jerry's every single day since freshman year. Freshman year I started out. I was a soccer player in high school. I started out weighing one thirty three, and now I'm like one seventy three. So, put on some good muscle that way.
0: Yeah, for sure. And like in your case, you kind of need it for muscle glycogen and the performance that you're putting out. You know, not everyone can do what you do after all.
1: I wouldn't say that you need it. I wouldn't recommend it to anyone who could eat differently. Like it would be better if I just had straight carbs and protein. Because honestly, Ben and Jerry's mostly just fat. But like just calorically I just get exhausted of eating so
0: yeah I don't blame you you gotta mix it up once in a while yeah so maybe uh maybe after the painting you can take a cooking lesson or two or something there right
1: yeah I I really (laughs) it's so bad we just didn't grow up like cooking all the time so I don't know I'm learning I'm learning when I graduated from college, I lived on cottage cheese and Hawaiian rolls for like maybe a um, whole month. I lost 15 pounds after graduating from school because they don't—they always fed you at the naval academy, and then you live on your own. And I was like, my friend Anna Maxim, she came over, she's like, "Dude, you're literally starving to death. What are you doing?" So we made these weird, yummy sandwiches. And then uh, my friend Keo taught me how to make like steak on in a pan, which is basic. It's it's so pathetic. It's really pathetic, but whatever. So,
0: how do you like your steak?
1: Medium rare.
0: Okay, that that is the good answer, acceptable answer. I was really hoping you weren't going to say like well done or something like that.
1: You know, crispy.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Medium rare, maybe a little touch towards the medium, but I I want it. I like
1: it touch towards the rare. I I would eat it. Oh, I love it. I just like the taste of meat. Yeah. I shouldn't say that in a podcast. Whatever.
0: (laughs) Here we go again. (laughs) Katie, is there anything? Is there anything else you want to share with those listening?
1: uh if you're listening thank you so much for listening very kind of you to care about what i have to say um and if you ever have questions or want coaching uh please reach out i'm more than happy to pay for the knowledge that i've learned
0: what was your instagram and website and all that again just so people hear it again
1: um insta is katie paints and katie lifts so k-a-t-y-l-i-f-t-z and then k-a-t-y-p-a-n-i-n-t-z and then my website is www.com Katie paints. I said www.com <laughs> it's Katie All right. Uh, just type it in. It'll we'll we'll
0: link to all of it below.
1: <laughs> or yeah, just link it.
0: All right, Katie. Thank you so much. Really appreciate your time. And it was awesome having you on.
1: Thank you so much.
0: That's going to do it for today's episode of the Braun Body Health and Fitness Podcast. If you like this episode, please make sure you subscribe to the podcast and check us out on social media at BraunBody on all platforms. Additionally, we'd really appreciate it if you left a review, especially on iTunes and Spotify, and if you would share this episode with a friend who you think might enjoy the content that we are putting out. Last, if you want to help support the podcast to keep our episodes going and continue to help us welcome amazing guests onto the show, please check out any of our links in the description below. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you again soon.